Hey everyone, it's Brian here. I am kicking things off on this episode because we have a very special announcement to make. It's so awesome. Um, we started a Patreon. If you're woo! not, woo, yeah, woo. <laughs> if you're not aware of what Patreon is, like me, um, I mean, I know what it is now. Duh. <laughs> it's a it's a way that uh, podcast people that do podcasts get money for their work, and how that works is you donate that money. It took us a really long time to start one because we felt guilty. And oh, like yeah. we didn't deserve it, but it's then like we did. A, we do a lot of work for this, but I don't deserve any money. No, I just <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pay you actually, the listeners. The pa- I set up a Patreon so that you go there and then you get you get money from me. <laughs> but for those of you who are listening, it's not going to change anything about the podcast. We're still yeah. going to offer great quality episodes for free. But uh, our hope is that by offering different subscription tiers to this podcast, it will help us streamline and grow and expand uh, the Feeling Asian operations because we have awesome ambitions for bigger content, bigger guests. Uh, We want to expand to video operations and your help will certainly help us achieve that. And yeah, I think and we, we have, did a pretty good job. We have some pretty awesome tiers. We do have great tiers for like different. We like set up. There's like even a tier that's only three dollars. You know, if you obviously everyone's struggling, we're not expecting millions. Um, <laughs> but some of the we have some awesome like gifts. We have bonus episodes. We're gonna do bonus dating stories that are real life stories because everyone loves our cringy dating stories. Uh, we also are going to offer a happy hour. At mission a little mixer a little mixer a little meet and greet our ultimate tier is chaotic street legend and if you have subscribed to this tier you will get a stick and poke tattoo from young me whether you like it or not (laughs) 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 that's right everyone we fully don't think anyone would do this or should do this but if you really want to give us a hundred dollars a month I will give you <laughs> I will give you a stick and poke tattoo. And um, Young Me might give you your money back because the <laughs> tattoo could be bad. <laughs> that is chaotic street legend. That is twelve hundred dollars a year that you're giving us for a stick and poke tattoo, which I just learned how to do last week. And by learn I mean I watched a YouTube video <laughs> at three AM. <laughs> um, but if that's you, if you know what, if you feel like doing that, then, um, but anyways, guys, we love you. Thank you for your listenership and all of your support. And if you want to help out, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And we will have that link in our bios and yeah. Thanks so much guys. If it's not this, it's going to be only fans and Brian's going to be crying the whole time that he does only fans. So please donate <laughs> money. <laughs> it's, he's never going to recover. <laughs> please. <laughs> thank you so much for your support and thank you for all your nice DMs and for staying with us through all these hard times. Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. This week, we, I'm so excited, we have an incredible guest this week. I'm just going to introduce her if you're okay with that. Yeah, of course, please. All right, guys. So please, everyone, give your ears to this awesome guest. She is a reporter at NBC News. Give it up for Kimmy Yam. Yay, thanks, 
Thanks, guys. Woo. Woo. <laughs> any, 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 like, opportunity for human interaction right now is very welcome. So this is a really exciting time. <laughs> Let's go. I'm so excited to be talking to human beings. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, but, I'm surprised that you didn't do the... Because whenever Brian it, like says a really big credit, like NBC, he says, have you heard of it? And that's his little dad <laughs> joke that he does every single time. <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't do... She's a reporter for NBC. Have you heard of it? That was a conscious decision on my part because some people very close to me have repeatedly shat on me for my dad jokes. <laughs> oh, really? Right. So I, I'm feeling very fragile and very vulnerable right now. So Sorry. we're going to put that to rest. How many, how many listeners do you think we've lost because of your, have you heard of it joke? Oh, young millions. Me, uh, yeah, you're just really poking that finger in deep into this world. I would, I literally like my shoulders scrunched up because I was like waiting for you to go. Have you heard of it? <laughs> All right, this is just getting mean. But uh, before we jump into Kimmy, who is the most interesting person out of the three of us, young me, how are you feeling? Wow, there's that, there's that Asian humble <laughs> cutting, cutting yourself down <laughs> action <laughs> brian okay so i'm feeling i just want to say you know like obviously we we put the pat the patreon ad in front of this ad but so we in front of this episode but like we started a patreon this week mm-hmm. this week kimmy and like we were both like we just didn't want to do it because we were too embarrassed to ask Aww. for money and then <laughs> and then i just want to say like Brian sent me like what he wrote on our Patreon page and it was like we suck oh. but <laughs> it was so like it was so like we're the worst people in the world and now we're stealing your money and I was like Brian this is <laughs> I was like let's be a little nicer to oh, ourselves. Oh it's like the metaphorical bow <laughs> it seems like yeah, yeah exactly it's like bowing like yeah. we are not worthy oh, no. of your money we're so sorry <laughs> i was kissing shoes it was a whole thing so i had to go and i was like let's just be a little nicer oh. to ourselves brian but um so yeah we have the patreon going but uh how am i feeling so i don't i mean obviously nobody knows anymore it's you know it's like a catastrophic mental health crisis that we're all going through i don't know why that made me laugh but it did this is something that i wanted to talk about i feel like there's so many things that are just out of my control now like you know life like my job money doing comedy whatever it's just completely out of my control so i've been really into doing spells wait what i feel you because i do those (laughs) like not (laughs) right and you know okay so i know this sounds crazy legit spells spells curses i'm not gonna lie because i'm a little bit of a hater um did you put a spell did you put an anti dad joke spell thing on me and that's what happened and And you manifested that i I put that thought into the (laughs) brains of your friends and they all ganged up on you (laughs) (laughs) it's like please make him stop i can't handle it yes sending that out into the universe no but i i I do these spells Uh, like obviously they're all like harmless they're not curses okay a little curse here and there um and i'm not completely mentally ill to the point where i think that they're real or they work but i feel like 
I know a lot of people that are into astrology. I was and just recently, about to say, this is yeah. like what ha- I guess this is the next step. This is for the yeah. person who has fully embraced so, astrology as truth and now spells yeah. is like, I don't really believe in it, but it's just like a fun, entertaining <laughs> thing to like muse on every once in a while. <laughs> well, uh, this, what I'm going to say is like a lot of people I know that believe in astrology have been like, like really ramping up their astrology ideas, you know, right <laughs> yeah, now. Sure. And I think it's it's just like a healthy reaction to that people have when things feel out of control you you try to create and it's harmless you know i just like sit in my room and do a little voodoo spell on people <laughs> i don't know is voodoo offensive i'm not gonna say voodoo again i don't know but like <laughs> but you know it's not like i'm going out and like punching people in the face i'm just like oh you know like this is concerning ghosts. to me for different reasons <laughs> i'm afraid that in three months our podcast is going to become it's going to get canceled because you've just joined a cult and that's what's there are a lot of basic (laughs) witches out there though now you know it's like a thing yeah it's like very it's kind of mainstream now and i also feel like you know spells whether they work or not doesn't really matter it's just if you feel like you're doing something productive it's good it's all good yeah wow it's kimmy Kimmy with the positive vibes meanwhile i'm just kind of cutting young me for her <laughs> love of spells. Wait, Kimmy, did you say that you were doing spells yeah, too? Yeah, only bad ones though, because only yes. bad oh. ones. Yes. You know, because I don't nice. want to like actually do bad things in the world, so you just kind of do it under your breath, you know, and hope that for the worst. Think about it. Well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, I so hope. as someone who has no knowledge about any of this, what is like what constitutes a bad spell? Like how bad can you go? Can you like curse someone for life? Is that, can you go that extreme? I, I personally only do it if it's like, oh, this person like, like it's a very like amorphous concept. Like something bad will happen mm. if you like, you know, freeze an orange or something like that in the, you know, oh. like I've written people's names on and then frozen it. So you freeze their good energy. <gasps> I'm doing that Must. tonight. Oh. I did that nice. once and Whoa. the person broke his leg. I'm not even gonna lie. Yo! What? I'm doing did that I right celebrate? now. I'm not oh going to say whether I did or not, but it did feel like a great day. So I don't know. So wow. I, you know, it feels yeah. like it made it feel like I did that, even though we all know, like you know, whatever, life, karma, well, whatever. You did do that. <laughs> you know? I, I yeah. just want to go on the record and say, Kimmy and Young Me, I think you both are really great, <laughs> and you are both wonderful people. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing wait, that out there for no reason wait so this is i'll tell you i did a spell and i call it a spell even though i meant it as a curse this is all i said <laughs> i sent this out to somebody that is a liar and i know that they're a liar and they're hurting a lot of people with their lies i sent this out all i the the spell was just may may whoever meets you for the rest of your life know exactly who you are as soon as they meet you and oh. that's the spell that i have for that person and i repeat it five times a day and that's it and like you know i'm not wishing anything bad on them i'm just saying i hope everyone knows that you're full of bullshit i feel like that's a great one that to me isn't a harmful spell it's just you know you're doing good in the world technically people know people need to know yes (laughs) but if that person broke their leg i would be extremely happy (laughs) <laughs> get to get to freeze in those oranges, my friends. <laughs> go go do that tonight. <laughs> your okay. your quarantine. Everybody else is doing different kitchen projects. You're just like in there writing people's names on oranges. Like that's that's the next step. No more sourdough bread. 
No more, no, curses. Curses yes. and spells. Yes. <laughs> how, how about you, Brian? How, how are you feeling? It's <laughs> real nervous right now, clearly. <laughs> so nervous laughs I'm hearing. 100%. I am incredibly nervous. I am on a FaceTime with two witches who have the power to destroy my life. But, um, you know, up yeah. until five minutes ago, I was feeling pretty good, young me. <laughs> Feeling you like my evil good. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, but no, but to answer your question, I, you know, last week on the podcast, I said I was feeling pretty good. And you know what? I'm, fe- I'm like really proud of myself because I feel like I'm keep- I've got good momentum going. It was so rare during quarantine where now I'm on like a hot streak. You know, I'm on the second week good vibes i'm gonna be entirely honest young me you said that you have been doing uh you've been saying five spells to yourself a day yeah (laughs) right before this podcast i literally just did so many push-ups and what what inspired that is i've been in a good mood i've been uh running a lot and i think a lot of my mental health quality is like tied to how physically active i am being like at that period in my life and lately yeah. I've been running a lot and at the track that I run at I am the least ripped person <laughs> on the track I don't give a fuck I run shirtless still but just not clearly the least ripped person on the track and that is my motivation now that's where, where I'm at where are you working out that you are the least ripped person I feel like you're kind of ripped are you ripped I've never seen your torso uh, I'm, you know, I thought I was fine, but yeah. when guy, if you guys want like to see just ripped dudes, really sweaty running and just me yeah. running, go to McCarran track <laughs> at like <laughs> in Williamsburg at like 1 PM. And that is a ripped neighborhood. Right. It's a very ripped neighborhood. Yeah. I'm feeling, you know, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good, honestly. And uh, the only negative feelings that I've had in this past week is sort of kind of reconciling some of my friendships a little bit where I'm like noticing especially in quarantine where it's like so hard to make plans with people like there's a lot of coordination that's involved and I think it becomes abundantly clear when certain friends don't invest uh, as much in you as you do in them Yeah, and you know I think in the past I would really like bum myself out but I think I can tell I'm in a good headspace right now because it's just more of like an acceptance of the facts and it's just, you know what? Like, I'm not going to take this personally. Mm. It is what it is. Sometimes some friendships just like fall out of favor and it's just life. And I'll just like communicate this with this person when I see them and deal with it from there. And that's it. Yeah. Friend rejection is really painful. Yeah, it's hard. One of my friends, like, stopped talking to me. I don't know why. And I have no idea why, which yeah. is fine. I've asked her and she didn't respond. But that's so painful. But also... Did you put a, you know did you put a spell on her afterwards? <laughs> 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 her legs are... Both her legs are broken. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just kidding. I would never do that. I would never do that. <laughs> Just um, one leg. <laughs> no, but uh, also, Brian... The thing about quarantine, though, is a lot of people are going through, like, what I said, like, a mental health crisis. So, like, if my friends are not responding, I don't 
judge them. Like, obviously it hurts me, but I'm like, you know, it might not be you. It just might be they're very overwhelmed. It's right. not like they don't want to see you or something. Right, right. And yeah. some of us do spells and some of us feel inadequate running on a track and <laughs> force themselves to do a lot of push-ups in a day. We're all, Whatever. Yeah, we're all just we're coping. All, <laughs> we're all on our journey. <laughs> <laughs> we're just coping. Uh, Kimmy, oh. how are you feeling? You know, I'm really honored that you guys asked me this question because no one ever asked me how I'm feeling. Um, wow. I, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I do, I, I feel exactly, you know, what you're saying is that right now friendships are so predicated on um, distance and like location and proximity and how, you know, how close is, is your group of friends? Like, are, do they live in the same borough? Are they, you know, a couple blocks away? And then if they don't... Right. You know, if they're not trying to make friends or if they're not trying to really or meet up, if they're not trying to make plans, it feels like there's something not being reciprocated and it feels like a weird mm. test of friendship, um, especially if you see them all hang out together and you're like, wait, I'm over here. Oh, no. Like, what's going on? Um, so, like, oh, I God. live in a different borough from literally all my friends, except for one of my best friends, which is like a saving grace. And that's been right. really hard for me, you know, because I think um, like loneliness is a huge, huge deal right now. And I feel like everybody mm -hmm. is going through it. And there's yeah. some element to where you feel like that anxiety of the loneliness and how heavy that is, but you don't really want to, I guess you don't want to complain about it because there's a public health crisis going on and there's, mm -hmm. it feels like, you know, there's an economic crisis. There's so many more like severe things that it even, mm. it kind of feels like you cannot allow yourself to feel the weight of this loneliness because it's just the severity of it is just not there, you know? And so I think right. I've yeah. had a lot of trouble kind of wrapping my head around like, okay, so I'm feeling lonely. How are we going to, you know, fill in these gaps like in a healthy way and not kind of resort to being desperate for like human interaction and like asking too much of friends and stuff like that and just kind of looking within to see how I can fulfill myself better but it's I don't know it I, I definitely hit like a wall last week where like every single day I'm just like trying to write something but I'm like crying for hours it's like you know oh, fuck. it's it's rough and then you know I think for most people industries have slowed down but for news it's like on 10 right now you know and so there's mm. no time to really process and be like okay how are you gonna fix your your brain right now <laughs> but mm. there is you know that sort of like i need to keep going i need to keep up the pace with like you know the world right now but somehow deal with this loneliness separately but not have it in interfere that much i guess mm. so that's, right. that's kind of where i am in the in the quarantine situation but i've i've had moments where this has happened and i think that it will pass so that's right. what i'm hoping you know? yeah well i was gonna ask when you have those feelings of loneliness do you ever use work as a way to distract yourself from yeah. that feeling to just like work it through oh for sure like i think that mm. um especially like Coming from HuffPost to NBC, like when I, so I was at HuffPost for five years, it was a long time. Um, and so mm -hmm. when I left, it felt, it, 
it felt like the end of something that I was actually sad to leave. Like that was one of those things that I, you know, in the past, if it was like high school or college or anything, I'd never been sad about it. And this was the first time where it was like, mm-hmm. I, I'm leaving like a family right now. Um, and right. so I, so when I got to NBC, it was like, I have to make it worth it. I have to, like every single thing I publish is going to be a fucking banger and so like when it was quarantine time i was like okay so if if everybody else is like chilling out if i can just bring some sort of normalcy into my life then that's like the best we can hope for and so for me to do that it was like to pitch every single really crazy ambitious piece or like controversial things that like no one else would touch you know for like Mm -hmm. decades of journalism and for me that was like the way to fill those gaps fill the silence um and then when once you get the hang of it and i guess like now it's like while everything is a challenge i know exactly how to tackle it a little bit better Mm -hmm. and so there's less of like a this is so daunting like once that Mm -hmm. part of your life calms down the other the other start the stuff starts like creeping back like oh Mm -hmm. you know like you have more time to focus on like who you are outside of work and you know, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not. Totally. It's a weird, weird yeah. place. It's interesting because um, just two things about what you just said. The first point you said about how, you know, you're dealing with these emotions like loneliness and like all these very deep emotions that you're having. But then you keep thinking, oh, like there's so, so many things that are way worse or other people are going through something harder. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like some other guests have mentioned that and I feel like that is like a big like Asian thing because we are like raised to always like consider other people's feelings before ours Mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to be like no like you are also going through what everyone else is going through too and you have a right to your emotions Um, but also specifically like the word loneliness I don't think anyone's we haven't really fully discussed the loneliness right brian on the podcast about yeah not to this extent i mean i definitely i talked i touched on it in one of our earlier episodes and i actually received like a lot of nice messages from people because for whatever reason i think in society it's almost taboo or we just don't want to be that open because it's Like, it's so rare, you know? Like, I don't... Even, like, hanging with friends and just having, like, a colloquial conversation, you rarely ever see people be like, I'm really fucking lonely. Yeah. And... It's kind of embarrassing to say it. A little bit, yeah, Yeah, but... I don't know. You know, I feel the same way as you do, Kimmy. Like, I've been feeling a lot of loneliness, and uh, what you just said about work, it resonated with me because it always catches up to you, you know? You can always, like, run away from it by, like, trying Mm. to keep yourself busy, convince yourself that, like, well, I am feeling lonely, but I'm going to medicate by, like, furthering my career in this way. But, like, if you have... It it always catches up to you. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, like, when it catches up to you, it almost hits you even harder because you didn't Mm. deal with it when it was was apparent. Right. At, like, a, a more previous time. Yeah, it's like we don't necessarily want to address the root problem. And it's exactly what you're saying. It's like when you admit that you're lonely, it's kind of like saying, I don't have any friends, which is like, right. it's not like, like, you know, it's you don't even you can be surrounded by people all the time, but also still feel mm-hmm. lonely. I think it's just the circumstances yeah. 
of right now make it seem like a it seems like such a losery thing to admit and then b it's like we are in the middle of like a huge public health crisis and and like what you were saying about you know this type of guilt that we have to even Mm -hmm. you know to put our own issues like prioritize Mm -hmm. those over these other like horrible things that are happening i think that there's just a sort of like reluctance to even tackle like this issue of loneliness because then you would have to kind of center yourself and we're just not necessarily that good at doing that we don't want to do that yeah Yeah. but you know it kind of reminds me of this thing that my therapist said a while ago because i was like in my head i saw it as this thing where i'm being like selfless Mm -hmm. and i'm being like oh no i'm worried about other people i don't want to worry about myself but in that because i'm so like that i don't let other people worry about me either so like i remember she said it about my because i'm divorced my marriage i would never allow my ex-husband to like care about or worry for me because it made me uncomfortable Mm. and then and then she was like, oh, can you imagine if you were with somebody and they would never allow you to worry ab- about them or for them? Like, that would make me feel so shitty. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so then, it, like, it clicked that I need to I need to do that and I need to allow other people to feel that way for me. And that's how I connect to other people. And that's, like, helpful. That's all. That's, like, how we all sort of, not cure, but, like, help heal ourselves collectively yeah you know no i agree it's hard to think of it that way it is kind of like the case where you might feel so used to just not centering yourself or not you know prioritizing your own needs that at some point and i i do think that this has happened a lot in my own life too where people feel awkward you know like they feel like Mm. you're like that or you don't you don't want any interaction like that and so they're not necessarily going to inquire because they think that you know they're gonna piss you off like you know it's like like maybe she doesn't process emotions like that whereas like that's not really the case but i also don't want to burden other people but we've had this kind of history for so long that you know people aren't gonna come like trying to trying to save you now because like there isn't this like precedent set that you you know that I'm ever that type of person that's gonna look for help. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard being that person that looks strong on the outside. Yeah, it's very lonely and it's very like it's hard because like you know in the moment where you need someone, no one thinks you do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kimmy, thanks so much for opening up to us in that way yeah. because I think we really. <laughs> I mean, it all re- I like resonated with all of us. Right. Totally understand what how you feel. But you know, this is a question we like to ask all of our guests, and that is, how Asian are you? Man, you know that is just that's a big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was thinking about this before, like when you ask about how Asian someone is, I think that's different from how Asian American they are. So I guess like which mm. one are you asking? We we keep it vague on purpose because people have like different interpretations mm-hmm. of it, and uh, you're the first guest that has sort of, uh, you know, pointed out this this dichotomy between like being Asian versus Asian American, and I guess in your instance, like, how much of both do you feel? How much of both? I mean, it's it's you know for. 
being Asian American, I feel like I, I feel so a hundred percent, and it's not really because we live in a country where all our like the history of how everything was forged is so. You know, this land never belonged to the people who decided to take it away from you yeah. know Native Americans, and then after that, it was it was forged by like the work of a lot of different people who either chose to came here or forcibly you know brought here and so i think mm-hmm. that like after when you survey all of that there the history of america really means that everything like absolutely every part of everyone's culture is just naturally going to be american like those forces like like emerged like a country emerged from all these different types of forces it's very different from like if i'm looking at china for example and it is a specific right. group yeah. of people who like created this history and culture and it isn't like a melding of like 1000 different types of people and so i guess like mm. when we're saying asian american i think that you know any degree of like asian is sprinkled in there but like any type of other parts of people's identity like that all fits as right. to like how asian i am i do feel mm-hmm. like you know, because I grew up in, like, a really just, like, red, white, and blue town. And then, mm-hmm. but then also, like, my parents are Chinese restaurant. Like, you know, I grew up in, the, like, the takeout restaurant all my life. Um, and that's, like, a yeah. very common upbringing. But that's also a very, like, specific to an Asian American experience. And so, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Right. It's, like, it's, it's difficult to answer that because my actual roots, like, in China, um... You know, I have to say, like, I'm not super close with it, but the way that my people have come to the U.S., like, Fujianese people specifically, have come to the U.S. and forged their own, like, teeny tiny little culture, I feel mm-hmm. like, I feel very much that. Like, I feel very mm. much like FJ, if that makes any sense. Yeah. FJ. FJ. Yeah. Oh, I, um, I, I've heard that there's, like, racism in China toward people from Fuzhou. Is oh, that, yeah. like... Is that okay? Because I yeah. somebody told me about that, and that's like one of the only facts I know about it. Unfor- unfortunately, that's like most, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like the one <laughs> thing people always bring up. <laughs> like other Chinese people are racist against them, but I'm sorry. But no. like, did like, you ever ex- play the hits, did young you? me? Sorry, <laughs> uh, this is just a painful episode. Um, did you ever experience that from like? Chinese Americans living in America? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, oh really? I wow. think that like, yeah, it's like definitely apparent. Like, when I've dated other Chinese people, I mean the, that that topic has definitely been brought up. Like, you guys are a little wow. different. You guys are, you know, I don't want to say it, but there's a little trash, Yikes. you know, because like we're <laughs> really? we're that province that like if you look at all the Chinese takeout restaurants um, and yeah. a lot of like the nail right. techs and stuff like that, like that's that's my people. And we came over, mm. you know, it wasn't when a lot of people bring up uh, the model minority mid, they always talk about um, the reason why there's such like there's a lot of high achieving immigrants is because immigration policy moved toward high skilled immigrants who had like right. academic backgrounds and stuff like that and my people did not come over with that like we were a different wave of immigration where it was a lot of undocumented people because we could not get papers we did not have the means to a lot of people who right. um came over from family reunification and then just you know we our province was poor you know so we don't mm-hmm. have a lot of education that other people come over with and so 
it's interesting right. the way that people see us here because you know there is some sort of like class issues i know that growing up like my parents like when you know they were like don't tell people you're like fujinese you know like don't (laughs) don't like keep that on the low you know um there's definitely that but then also i always think like the fact that you're able to come over and you know these people like we don't have money we don't have education we don't have any of this we're able to come over and start businesses that like flourish in the u.s and and for me like it's not like a glamorous life but it's very much a symbol of like entrepreneurship in like in a land that you know you don't even know anything about but you're able to start you know these like teeny tiny businesses i mean to some extent like i get like the um the stigma but also like Mm -hmm. to me i'm i'm very proud because i think that that's like a you know like to have to forge a new life and then do like find like your niche that like really works i think that that is something super admirable to come over with you know no skills education or any of that absolutely i mean even in america when people talk about the model minority myth and always point to like asians as a group of like high achieving like look what they've done they've inserted themselves as doctors and lawyers and they like dominate the tech industry and you know, I what you just said relates a lot with me because my parents were that too. Like they came to America with like no resources, mm. no money, right. and through like a lot of grit and like entrepreneurship, they were able to flourish and create a life for themselves. And right. I think that's a story that like a lot of Asian Americans can relate to, you know? A lot but of it's immigrants not, period, I think. Right, right, right. I think that there's like such a unfair way that people in society respect people like you know like we're always taught to respect the wealthy like highly educated class of people but like in a lot of ways like you know people considered like that do jobs that are considered menial are like harder working Mm -hmm. and just you know the fact that they're they are like your parents are self-made and you know like other the the respect that we have in society i think needs to shift a little bit and i believe it's shifting now because of quarantine and all of the social protests and stuff right yeah i mean it's definitely weird because like you know i grow up with all these things in the media where it's like oh asians are like fancy whatever and it's like but my dad comes to pick me up at school like with his uniform he smells like you know like egg rolls and like you know sweet and sour chicken and stuff like that and it's such a weird like i just didn't understand for a very long time that like Asians even were doctors or any of these other mm. things like respectable right. professions um, yeah. and so like you kind of grow up and especially since I come from like a very working class white town you grow up with this mm-hmm. idea that like you're the you're the help in the way like I remember I'd go to right. Right. like ballet class yeah. or something like that and I remember mm-hmm. someone had ordered Chinese food and they came back and my parents are pretty like environmentally conscious if you're gonna be eating food at home they're not gonna like throw plastic at you and so these right. people got really mad that there was no plastic like no spoons or something like that in their order and so they're expecting me to go get it and i'm like i am just taking class like everyone else oh i'm God. not here to like yeah. serve you and they're like where's my right. where's my where's my cutlery like i'm just like this That's is so bad you know it's like so it's so weird and then um 
you know, my first year of college, like I get there and there's absolutely no one like me. All the Asians there, mm. you know, I remember asking someone what their parents did. And they were like, my parents are cancer researchers. And I was right. blown away. I was like, I thought we were all going to be Chinese restaurant kids here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, this yeah. was all our first time at college. Like, <laughs> we're all like, no one comes from an educated background. That was the weirdest. Right. Like, you know, I had like an opposite kind of um, experience, I guess, than a lot of Asian Americans who grew up like, you know, with it like in this model minority myth kind of like thing yeah. where you know their parents really were educated but they didn't really fit like a lot of the you know stereotypes either so i don't know it's a, yeah. it's a weird place to be yeah i bet you know for a lot of chinese restaurants and a lot of kids in these uh families we do settle in like kind of uh you know like more working class areas that don't have a huge Chinese population and there's obviously yeah. people who do too you know and you have a lot of like these really great restaurants um where people like to call us like hood Chinese restaurants or whatever like mm. in New York City <laughs> and like we have hood Chinese food or whatever but like it is you know it's not gonna be in an in an enclave you know I always feel like the reason why I asked about the small town thing whenever I visit a small town and I see like the one nail salon yeah and it's like obviously that's the one Asian family that lives among all these white people. I yeah. just feel like I've, my heart always goes out to them because I'm like, obviously there's so much racism when you're the one Asian family servicing an entire white community. Do you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. And I, I always feel like whenever I'm visiting that sort of area, like my heart really goes out to that. Yeah. But I I think you speaking about that, I think so many people that are going to listen to this are going to like totally understand your childhood and your background. Right. I'm sure a lot of people right, have right. gone through that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious because hearing about your experiences growing up in a lot of ways, you've kind of have this like outsider status. I mean, mm-hmm. even dating back to your origin, your family's origins in China as like Fujinese where you're ostracized for, you know, whatever reason, and you know you went to college and you realize like the type of quote-unquote type of asian you were was like different from your other asian peers now do you think that has influenced like the kind of your i guess your like a journalistic approach because i've i'm a big fan of your work online and i and i follow you on twitter and the best way i would describe it is like it's refreshing because it's like very honest but it's also like you don't Mm. take any bullshit you know like there's i feel like there's like your voice is like very authentic and it reads and it's not like this buttoned up fake Mm. ass like i'm just gonna be polite for the sake of being polite but Mm -hmm. you know like it's just like a pr it's like a very pre spin on things and i'm just curious like was that just like very organic for you yeah i mean i think that um i mean that is a good way of putting it it's just like if you i think growing up i felt like an outsider but because i had such complicated feelings about race and there were no other chinese people like if you even look at the demographics of my little village like it's less than 40 people i would say or like Mm. Asian (laughs) and a lot of that is my family so I Uh when I say like I didn't grow up with any Asian people I truly did it and I could not figure out you know you do the most American fucking things that everyone else does you know you're in Little League you're doing sports you you know it's just Mm. like everything else that other people do you're 
you're just as red, white, and blue as everyone else is. Um, but you can't really conceptualize exactly why you're not fitting in, you know? And so you do, you know, and so when I was super little, like my parents always say, like I was a crazy troublemaker. Like that was like my nickname for the longest time. Just like, I could not follow directions. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. if I didn't feel like mentally stimulated, then I would just like create a tornado. Like it was just like, I would concoct a plan to fuck everything up. Like that was just always how, Whoa. you know, yeah. I was. And then, you know, you get introduced to all these like social circles and like what are the social norms and you can't understand why you don't fit in and no one tells you it's because of your race but you try mm -hmm. absolutely everything to fit in and i think that you know a lot of everyone i look up to like in life and have looked up to in life was like very much that like i love dennis rodman you know yeah. and there's that story yeah. when dennis rodman is working as a janitor in um I think it was like the Dallas airport and he stole, he like swiped a bunch of watches, like not to sell or anything, but just to give them out because he wanted to be so accepted. And like, mm. that is very much me. I was like, I would sell out my race, like at the drop of a hat. If people were making Asian jokes, I'm like, go ahead, right. like fucking just like roast me. I don't care, you know? Right. And like, mm. that is very much it. And then when you realize, you know, you leave that environment, you realize like, it's not anything wrong with me. It was something wrong with them. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like definitely uh -huh. something wrong with them. I was no longer that kid anymore. I was just free, you know, like yeah. I was just free. I was just myself. I was back to being like that crazy troublemaking, like a very unhinged kid. And I think that, you know, for, for me, journalism was kind of the only thing that was able to give me some type of structure. Like I'm very like, mm. my mind is super chaotic. And if it's not like mildly overwhelmed all the time, it just goes absolutely everywhere. And so right, right. to be part of that, like one of my biggest problems with journalism for the whole time is like, it felt like when people go into interviews and stuff like that, they're, it's like an act. Like, you know, mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. are really buttoned yeah. up and they, there is like some sort of look, but then you wonder like, are these people really that way? Like if I go yeah. in and I'm trying to interview like, for example, like Congressman Ted Liu, <laughs> and this dude is like yeah. an Air Force dude. Like he, you know, is like a, he's like a Twitter God or people think he is. And then, you know, he's, yeah. he's right. punching back at all these like Trump, whatever. Like, if I go in and I want to, if I expect him to be vulnerable, then I have mm -hmm. to be vulnerable too. I have to be myself. Right. And it's kind of yeah. like weird, like for me to put on like a blazer or something like that and go into Capitol Hill, like for me, it would feel like I'm playing pretend, you know, it's for yeah, me, yeah. it's like, how can I possibly expect someone to give me like their full selves if I'm not giving it to them? And so, you right. know, I kind of decided like, I'm gonna do this like the most authentic pure way possible like if I'm gonna mm -hmm. do an interview like especially if someone is sharing something really deep um, and, and you know it's, it's hard and vulnerable or whatever like I I will too because it's like you need that yeah. like actual rapport this exchange for something to be beautiful and like poignant in its own way mm -hmm. like you can't be a fake ass bitch so I'm never yeah, gonna yeah. be that person that's like 
different when they're on the job. Yeah. I'm gonna be exactly the same, like conduct my life exactly the same, and just try to be as authentic as possible. And and to me, that's that yeah. is how I feel. I personally feel journalism should be done. Wow. I I totally agree with that, and I feel like the that's also when you read that. Like I was reading, you know, um, you, some of your articles before this episode, and I was like, I feel like people can pick up on the authenticity. And it becomes like it becomes something that's like alive. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the button up. Like I can't read like news anymore. That's in that style. That the buttoned up like you know sort of fakeo news. Not to say fake news, but <laughs> <laughs> I can't read fake news anymore. Everyone. I like the slight <laughs> spin. Yeah, like, fakeo. So it's not fake news. Fake-o news. Fake-o. Yeah, fake-o I mean fake, fake in a different way. <laughs> right. But like yeah, I think that really comes through in your work. And I also I. I like I then I understand I feel like what you're talking about just doing this podcast obviously it's not as important as NBC News but like but I do know what you mean like doing this podcast I feel like I'm just being myself and when I'm most myself I feel like other people feel room for them to be themselves too yeah and it's like a nice connection I think especially like what you guys are doing you know this is about the Asian American community so when we Yep. are kind of out there representing you're trying to do everything to move your community forward in ways that have not been done before mm-hmm. and so if you're gonna bring an approach that everybody has done before you know like let's just keep this super professional like robotic whatever like you're not going to be revealing anything new to people you're yeah. not going to be saying anything and you're not going to make people comfortable to be themselves i think i'm still like inspired because it it seems like you've knew like right out the gates that this like realization because in my experience I came to it much later like especially Mm. in my career because yeah you know for a long time I was just I always viewed like just me being in the room itself oh it's such a privilege to be here I'm not gonna make a lot of noise I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just happy to be here I'm not going to like make any space for myself in this room and you know I'm sure a lot of it was like passed down to me from like my parents viewpoints because you know I think that's an idea that a lot of immigrants hold on to is that Mm -hmm. they don't they're just trying to scrape by and like make an honest living for themselves and I even remember when I was like visiting colleges you know my parents wanted me to wear like penny loafers and like khaki pants and i'm like this is like i was like this is so not me they're trying to get you beat up (laughs) (laughs) right but it's like they're like oh that's like the polite way of being like don't don't ruffle any feathers don't stand out too much just don't be yourself it's it's the nice it's the nice approach now especially in your line of work like journalism where you're like constantly like offering up hot takes and you're very online and like very opinionated how do you deal with because i'm sure you have like a lot of haters that come with that you know especially (laughs) from like asian like asian dude frozen oranges right yes (laughs) all part of the process of coping (laughs) um but yeah there's there's tons of them and um oh god what's interesting is i think my while I have definitely stayed the same, um, and I feel like how I conduct myself, the way my energy is different now. Whereas like before there was, okay, I think that maybe a 
the best way to explain this is that the reason why I think a lot of people do lash out and like troll and feel the need to harass, like especially like female journalists online, is because <laughs> they are lonely but have not recognized that within themselves yet. Because mm. and then I know this because you know back when I was um, you know at my old newsroom, I think that there was. You know, there's a period of time my editor, uh, who I'm super close with, who I now work with uh, today at NBC, left. And then I felt that, you know, I am one of those people who, like, if my mind isn't, like, constantly going and stimulated, it's it's the end. It's the, my, like, yeah. mental health is just thrown into disarray. And, like, that's it. And, you know, you're feeling like... I remember feeling very not supported in that newsroom. And then I get online, and then there's all these attacks and then yeah. my mm. first instinct would always just be like you dumb fuck send like that's it you know it's just like that'd <laughs> yeah, be yeah, it yeah. like i'd be like <laughs> i'd like you know like do like the petty shit like take take screenshots of people and then like i know like yeah, i yeah. have like a I don't have a ton of followers, but I have enough that, like, if I wanted to bully someone, I could. And then I would just, like, yeah. you know, be like, look at this dumb fuck. And, like, now <laughs> when I think about that, it's like I reacted that way because I was so, like, I did not feel supported whatsoever. I felt like wherever mm. I was going, I, I was feeling really attacked. And I didn't understand, like, that, that was where I was throwing my energy. Now mm -hmm. that I feel like I don't have to... Like my editor is amazing. I feel like she really challenges me and to take on a lot of these, um, you know, heftier uh, projects and stuff like that. And like, there's support there. There's a lot of love there. And like, I don't have to scream all day like this fucking matters. Like we have to cover that, you know, like I don't yeah, have yeah, to do yeah, that right. anymore. And so now when I get stuff, I don't feel that same energy. And so I kind of mm -hmm. like you kind of compare where you were in life and you realize like, okay, a lot of these people are like really sad. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, like, okay. I don't, I feel like I don't go after them like I did uh, back yeah. in the day. And then also yeah, yeah. I think another thing to recognize is I don't like, I think that all people of color when they are being harassed or if they're getting a lot of threats or whatever like the burden is not on you to mitigate the situation or correct whatever's mm -hmm. happening like it's not because you don't yeah. have that power but for me as someone who is trying to you know write and then make it known that we have all these issues in our community that need attention like yeah. my ultimate goal is to it's not to get people to stop reading and the minute you call someone a dumb fuck they're not gonna keep on reading and they're not gonna keep on yeah, learning yeah. and if they're gonna see an asian person they're gonna be like well th that bitch treated me like this why would i ever feel open-minded to another asian person you know like you don't know what <laughs> yeah. their environment's like you don't know if you yeah, rub yeah. them the wrong <laughs> way and so like while i don't think other people have that burden to like keep it chill like i i think mm -hmm. i do i think i i need to just like like keep it zen and like make sure as long as people are reading and like you know right, right. educating themselves then i have one like that's all okay. i can ask at this point so young me you hear that yeah Kimmy's saying that we you know that she has to keep it chill but we have free reign to just call people dumb fucks on our <laughs> balls to the no, wall no, that, is not, that is so unfair it is unfair as an asian person like if if like if any of us called like a white person online a dumb fuck 
that person who's already racist against Asians are now going to just be more racist yeah. against Asians. It sucks for it all Asians suck. just because yeah. one Asian person called them a dumb fuck. And they probably are a dumb fuck. But, you know, that's... You know, I have to just say all the stuff that you just said, how you deal and process with your haters. It, I feel like it just shows so much emotional intelligence. And I feel like yeah. a lot of... Because, you know, like what you said about um, you remembered a time where you were really lashing out mm-hmm. online and where you were in your life. Yeah. And so you're, you're understanding what, why these people are acting like that. And I think like that, that is something that I use, you know, a lot personally when I see someone being mean or like doing something. I'm like, oh, when did I do stuff like this? Yeah. Because so, I was feeling like shit. And like, I think that shows a lot of... Um, a lot of emotional intelligence. I just wish everyone had that level of emotional <laughs> intelligence. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's. I just wish everyone was do. not. It's all yeah, so it is hard. Well, you know, it's hard because you have to own up to it first. You have to own up to fault. Yeah. And that's so hard for everyone to do. Oh yeah. What were you yeah. Saying? Well, no, I was going to mention that. I I read an interview of yours and you brought up something really interesting that I had not considered before, and that is. You know, you are very emotionally intelligent. You're very aware of your feelings. You're open about your anxieties. You're open about your struggles with depression. Mm-hmm. And you said that it's interesting that Asian communities, these it's like mental health is so taboo and stigmatized mm-hmm. that mm. these these symptoms of like depression often are like manifested as physical ailments. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because we're like so afraid to just admit to these like negative emotions and like the side effects that come from it yeah that's a um so i interviewed a couple therapists about this and you know a lot of times what happens is like these older women would come in and they have a lot of trauma but instead of saying like you know i'm going through anxiety or like sadness or anything like that they say my stomach hurts or i can't sleep Mm. and those that's so they're coming Mm. in thinking that this is a physical thing that they can solve when really it it has to do with trauma and all that um but then Mm. also Mm -hmm. you know we look at the way in which people deal with a lot of these traumas like in the western world we go to therapy and you talk to someone and you kind of rehash a lot of the events and so for um what experts have told me in the past is that that doesn't necessarily work a lot for asian people because for us we're looking how to move forward forge ahead i mean we've always been like mm. that right how do you forge ahead yeah. in a new world you keep, you're keeping your whole heart in one piece but you just left everything and you're trying yeah. to make it right and so that's just how we've always been if so what one therapist told me which is interesting is that they don't a lot of asian people don't want to be re-traumatized that's gonna yeah that's going to hurt yes. so much more than actually finding something productive to do or be mm-hmm. feeling like you're a useful human being um Mm -hmm. and so i think that you know especially for me like therapy i tried it and it didn't necessarily work for me and so i feel like you know for someone like me i think i have to explore alternative treatment Mm. and it's not you know it's not like a one-size-fits-all thing but i i think for a lot of asian people it it does make sense it's like what productive next step are you gonna do we've always been looking to see like you know how do we make the next life better or how do we how do we make it so that our children are better you know it's like it's always the future it's not necessarily looking towards the past 
That's wow, so that's, true. You know <laughs> yeah. what? I have to say the re-traumatizing thing, that makes so much sense. I'm really glad that you said that therapy didn't work for you because Brian yeah. and I talk about therapy a lot and we like suggest it. Mm-hmm. But, but I have to say when I, you know, going through therapy, I had to face my traumas head on. Mm-hmm. And right. a lot of times I felt very destabilized, yes. you know, and, and at yes. times I felt like I don't even know if this is. I'm sh- and the, you know after I sort of process something at the other, on the other side I was like I'm really glad I went through that mm-hmm. but during processing it I'm I I felt like I don't know if I can handle this yeah and you know I think that's very valid that some for some people it's not yeah I think it's, it's not like right yeah sometimes people are looking for tools you know for tools yeah. rather yeah, yeah, than yeah. to look at like you know sometimes looking at knowing the root of the problem doesn't do anything versus having the tools to go forward and have a life like to a lot of asian people that is more productive Mm -hmm. but again like i think that it it's super different for everyone and especially the therapists that i talk to it's it's specifically older asian women have a lot of trouble with this because they're Mm. dealt with all this trauma in their home countries they come over they don't have language skills all this stuff and then when you know whether it's their husband passing away or something like that they feel that there is less of a purpose in life or less of you know there's fewer people to take care of there's there's fewer things to make you feel like a whole human being you know and so then you're just like paralyzed in like that fear and trauma that you never really dealt with before Mm -hmm. and so I think that you know and thinking about like even um you know my own parents like my my mother has really you know she when i was growing up she had very severe depression and then like panic Mm -hmm. attacks that like you know when we were younger we didn't have words for them we just knew that like okay like she's driving all of a sudden she's not okay she's just you know pull over the side of the road and she's shaking and you're like oh my okay i'm gonna talk my mom through this and there's something Mm -hmm. wrong but like you don't really think it's a mental thing you kind of think like okay maybe she's like a little off physically or something like that but it's like now i see it repeating in my own life and it's like it's kind of funny how like i think when i was younger you know i was like a seven or eight year old kid and you're trying to talk your parents your your mother through it and you're like it's gonna be okay like look everything's the same outside and i do the same thing to myself now where like i, I start feeling my like yeah. heart pounding and i'm like kimmy it's gonna be okay look the sun grows oh, up again. i do the <laughs> same know? exact thing because you know my mom also has had experiences with panic attacks mm-hmm. and before we had that language her yeah. you know those panic attacks were simply just Oh, I had a little bit too much coffee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so sometimes when I get those panic attacks, I'm like, damn, it's that cold brew. It's, the, it's, it's hitting right. a little extra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Must like the increase oh, of so heart sad. rate. It's like all caffeine. You think it's all caffeine, but you you realize later. It's right. just like, yeah. no, it's not that at all. <laughs> you know, that, I don't know. That's so sad. For some reason, it just, it makes me, sa- sorry. This made me really sad just thinking. I don't know. Sometimes it's like things get really overwhelming when I think about it. And I just feel like just think imagining your mom, you know, like in a small town and like being the only Asian person and like just imagining like going through a panic attack and having your kids and like, you know, with obviously everyone has panic attacks, like white people, too, and whatever. But like on top of all that, 
you have to deal with the ongoing racism and like you you know bring your kids to this country and everyone's racist towards them and like that just seems like a lot yeah no it definitely like in talking to my mom about it now um it's so weird because yeah. like we, it's it's like a you know she she has help now and she's able mm-hmm. to like understand that all of this is like mental health related and like i've mm-hmm. had my own issues in the past you know um with, like depression and like substance issues and all these different things and we've had to do a lot where it was like you know all these things that happened before you know maybe you didn't know how to deal with it it's not your fault because like you know you didn't know what it was we didn't know what it was and we're just trying to figure out our way in this like town where you have no friends who speak your language and like the the way that um you know my mom she she doesn't have a college degree or whatever but I I think that she is still one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life like she is so intelligent and I think that she's also really um like introspective too and I think that you know for her to come to this country and people used to tell her you know like you're so bright you're so brilliant or whatever she comes to this country and she has no words she you know like if, if you get in a conflict or some kind of you know dialogue with someone who's speaking English and you know what you're uh-huh. you you want to say but you don't have that vocabulary to you know actually verbalize it people look at you and the few broken words that you have and they think you're stupid and I think that yeah, for yeah. her it's like her whole life is people looking at her like she's stupid when she's not you know mm. and I think that that has been like to understand the immense loneliness that she has had to go through you know and to settle in this this mm-hmm. little town i mean it's taken a long time because i think that with a lot of mental illness comes like trauma manifests itself in like very strange ways where you know you have a lot of resentment to be like you know i i shouldn't as a kid i shouldn't have to cover for you or as a kid i shouldn't have to like yeah. do x y and z and then uh, yeah, you know yeah. there were years of my life where i felt like I couldn't really talk to her if I was going to be like my own person and a successful person mm-hmm. in this country. I was like, I cannot burden myself with whatever you have going on because I don't mm-hmm. know what it is and I can't deal with it. And then, you know, going back and thinking about um, like Ocean Bong's book on Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous, and it talks about this intergenerational trauma and how like you can understand and see how this traumatic event trickled into you know his mother's brain and kind of like this is that reaction that she had and it seems like it's malicious or it seems like it's like a weird way of dealing with things um toward her kid and if you just look at it very surface level you're like well that's um like really weird parenting but it's not that Mm. it's really just like someone who has been through insurmountable pain like i don't know I don't know what it's like to watch a struggle session, you know, doing the cultural revolution. I don't know what it's like, like seeing someone's like hair get ripped out of their hair. I don't know what that's like, but she does. There's so many things that like I only now understand about my parents because I've only now taken the time to be like, holy shit. I was very wrapped up into myself and my own identity. And I thought the pain that I had experienced was the worst pain. (laughs) when there was a whole generation before me 
who don't didn't even mm. have the privilege to think about where their sadness came from. And so right. now you just blame them, you know, like I, I, I used to look at my mom and be like, you know, why couldn't you have been here, there, whatever? Why do I have to talk to you through whatever? And like now, now, yeah, yeah. I, now I get it, you know, it's just, it's not yeah. something that happens early on. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You know, I just want to say that was really good to hear because I, I, I constantly grapple with this and no matter how many times I have to remind myself to like exercise more compassion mm-hmm. with my parents and like try to understand their struggle and like the insurmountable, insurmountable amount of trauma they've endured, I still find myself, there's like cracks, you know? I, I still go back to that line of thinking of like, where I kind of blame them for some things yeah. or like mm-hmm. this like longing or like wishing for a different upbringing and Mm. um that was really really good to hear because um you know it's it it, it takes work and uh it certainly made me reflect on like certain things that i've said to my parents like especially recently and it's um i'm I'm a little bit sad and (laughs) it's okay it's okay you know i i i just have to exercise and like do better going forward and it's it's like a, I, I just good to be constantly reminded of that yeah i well, mean like yeah it's this big misdirection of like our own pain right because it's mm. it's again it's going back to like the way the world makes us feel we feel that it you know inherently like being asian is is what's wrong it's not that you know mm. other people are yeah. wrong and the way that they perceive mm. us is wrong we think being mm-hmm. an asian person is wrong and so we look at mm. our parents yeah. and we're like you are the source of these problems why don't you know oh. this language you know i remember thinking like why okay my dad is coming to pick me up he has oil stains all over his shirt he is you mm-hmm. know like in his like fast food uniform why can't he fucking just been a teacher you know for the longest time it's like so weird the way that people have like projected all this like otherness on us makes us very confused and especially like for our generation growing up when people did not talk about race like we do now we don't know like what the otherness is Mm. coming from you know and we don't know that it's them being wrong and so i think that in thinking about how we are and like what Asian America is right now, it's also a lot of like interrogating how much like how the burden that we've thrown back on our parents to be perfect people. You know, it's like mm. a very wow. it's a new struggle. That's yeah. Brian talks about this a lot. How he you know is in this phase where he feels bad for the resentments that he's had towards his parents. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it is like a self like what you said. You know because it's too hard when you're a kid to be like oh my entire community is racist you have yeah. to be like oh i hate my parents for being asian you know exactly. like yeah it's e- much easier to do um i also you know i i have a complicated relationship with my parents too and then like feeling resentment because of all the things that happen to me as a kid from my parents um but also there are times where i find it hard i think kind of like what you were saying like to talk to my parents because i i was the soother mm-hmm. in my family mm-hmm. so even now it's like if, if i'm going through something hard i literally can't call them yeah because i can't put on my happy face and like do my little jokes and stuff you know yeah so it, it does feel very lonely and I, f- I feel like a lot of what you're saying sounds similar like you're the soother 
you know yeah. so when you're going through something hard it's like you kind of have to it's it's very sad for this role because when we're in pain we have to do it alone yeah I right mean, it's yeah. like a yeah we we are place in like this whole like parent kid relationship is very weird because it's like you know yeah. that you were helping someone a lot or covering for them or you know trying to make sure like hope other people don't think we're crazy you know like there's a lot of that and um Mm -hmm. but you know I think that I have like I like you were saying there are some things that I know because I've had that kind of um role that I don't necessarily tell my parents or like I tell them too late or maybe they know what's going on but they need to hear it from me to you know it's like they Uh don't know how to deal with that um and my mom has said you know things before like you you don't trust me because of before like you just don't you won't trust me because of before like you know I'm different blah 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 Mm. and you know it's not necessarily that it's like I understand there are some things I don't know if you guys know this like in Chinese we have which means like Mm. to eat bitterness and that's Mm. what you're supposed to do right in order to hold your heart in that one piece and kind of make it you have to just do the hard stuff and keep going um and so there are things that i know that she will never ever 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 tell me and there's there's pain that's there that i know that she won't ever tell me you know it's like Mm -hmm. and i have to keep that in mind and then i have to know that she might not have the words to help me deal with whatever and so i've kind of made it so that i will tell them kind of about an issue or something but I'm not gonna rely on them to fix me because Mm. I know that there's something that isn't you know that there are things that they haven't told me I don't know what every single trigger is and I know that there's so much pain and that they want to help but they don't know how to deal with that themselves so how can you help another person you know and so I think that my parents occupy like a really special space and that like they will know and I'll, I'll assure them like I'm getting help this other way or I'm gonna try this you know whatever medication or I'm gonna you know do this and then they'll know that I have people to turn to it's not gonna be them it doesn't have to be them mm. as long right. as I have support I think that it's okay and I think that it's also really okay to be simultaneously frustrated that we can't have that relationship with our parents where you can tell them absolutely everything but also be understanding that you can't do that and also you know find other other sources of comfort so I think it's like all these complicated things but you know to for immigrant kids it's like there you have to assess like how much you don't necessarily know about your parents because you can be right you know there there are just things that i know that my parents have protected me from i i know like you know growing up in in my community and then like later on in another very white but this wealthy community for college it's like i've seen some shit but i feel like you know i cannot burden them with everything because how much they have had on their shoulders is sufficient you know Ah, uh, well, unfortunately, I think we're running out of time, Kimmy. I've I really enjoyed our conversation. I really yeah. think that you brought up some really interesting 
things and like things that I, I feel like are going to resonate so much with our listeners. Um, but before we let you go, we like to ask this question and end our episodes on like a positive note. And the question is, what is something that you're proud of? Man, this is like the worst question for every single Asian person to answer. They're probably like, ah, don't do it. Oh, yeah, we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is like um, growing up because I come from like a community that didn't like food and people just never had that much. And then so when my mm-hmm. dad came over there, came over here, he was kind of just like, I'm going to celebrate every fucking thing I can celebrate at all. Like, you come home for a weekend, we're gonna just pop champagne the whole time. Like, it's just every single <laughs> little tiny, like, win Whoa. is worthy yeah. of celebration. And I feel like oh. I'm kind of proud of that because it is this idea that, like, happiness is not guaranteed. Our place in America is kind of crazy. And, like, if you're here and you're alive and you're, like, okay and, like, you there are there are moments where you can think like wow i live in this country where like 10 gazillion different cultures are able to be in one place like that is kind of cool and so for him it was like you know i have a house let's crazy celebrate like i have you know these very basic (laughs) things like i'm gonna go off i need to buy a pair of jordans or whatever you know it's like don't save your money just everything is a celebration and so i think like I don't take any day for granted. I'm really proud that I'm able to like, if something happy is happening, I'm gonna go off. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna be crazy, and that I'm uh, in that way. I feel like I can live life to the absolute fullest. And that's that's not what every Asian person is probably gonna tell you, but for me, it's like <laughs> everything has to be like on ten hundred. You know. Right. I love that. That's amazing. I'm going to take that advice. I'm going to just celebrate yeah. every day. I fucking Everything. need that advice. I do the opposite. If I have something worthy celebrating, well, that's the expectation. Of course I was supposed to get that thing. But if I get any oh. criticism or anything bad, focus entirely on that and beat yourself up. That's that no is very Brian. I am extremely <laughs> mentally well. No way to live, man. No way to live. I mean, it's like in like, especially dealing with like haters and all these things that like, you know, kind of come with the job. I feel like my dad has always just been like, you know what? Like you have to be that type of person where like if no one else fucking loves you in the world, you love yourself. Like if no one else loves you in the world, like you still are obsessed with yourself and i was like oh are you like that he's like oh don't like i fucking love myself i'm crazy (laughs) and i'm like that's how i need to be like every single thing is like you know you you're just like thankful to be you and that's it you know and so i I love that you know it's a a healthy way to live (laughs) i also feel like we should just celebrate I don't have any haters because nobody knows who I who I am. But <laughs> I would if I had a hater, I would be so excited. I'd be like, I made it. I have a hater. Oh my God, watch out, Young Me. My whole, knows who I am. my whole Twitter feed is gonna be just like a dragging you from now on. <laughs> be like, she yes. wants haters. Here we go. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. I'm gonna pop champagne and celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'll fucking cast spells on those haters. So don't fuck I'm with gonna, young me. Guys, I have to go. I, I have to go right now. I have to freeze some oranges. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very long night ahead of me. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Kimmy, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. And yeah. for all our listeners, where can they find you and your work online? 
Um, so all my social media is Kimmy the Pooh, like Winnie the Pooh. Um, and then, yeah, NBC News. Follow NBC yes. News. Follow NBC Asian America. Have you heard of it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, you restored <laughs> balance to the universe. Someone had to say it, oh, I guess. Wow. <laughs> All of my fear of uh, having Sorry, a spell I... cast upon me has just suddenly <laughs> dissipated. Order has been restored. Sorry, Kimmy. Kimmy, I'm sorry I cut you off. I was so excited to do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, mean, I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> You're saying NBC News, NBC Asian America? Yeah. Sorry. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> what about you, young me? Where can our listeners find you? Um, you can find me social media at YM Mayor. How about you, Brian? You guys can find me at It's Brian Park. And be sure to follow our podcast Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast. And our new Patreon, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patreon.com. You can give a, you know, make a donation. You don't have to. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> but if you want to, it's Patreon.com. Apologize a few more times. <laughs> It's patreon.com slash feeling Asian. <laughs> this podcast fucking rules. We're the fucking best. You fucking love it. Okay, you're, you took it too far. You dialed <laughs> the, the, all, all the way to the <laughs> wrong side. Again. We're now. the best in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But either way, thank you for your listenership. And yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. And we hope thank you enjoy you. the rest of your week. Bye. Bye.